Revelations 21. Y'all ain't got to turn there. I'm not, I'm not preaching from here. I'm just going to read it to you. Revelations 21 and verse 3 says, and I, heard, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. <laughs> I can't even imagine. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, <laughs> no sorrow, and no crying over there. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. One day, one day, these former things will pass away. Right now, it's tough. Right now, it's a life of suffering. Right now, it's a life of sorrow for a lot of people. But on that day, God shall wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more tears there. There will be no sorrow, no more pain, no more parting over there. But it is not today. On that day, God will wipe away their tears. There's a song we used to sing as kids, and y'all may be able to help me if you remember it. But his song went like this. Someday, 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 someday. Someday, 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 someday. Someday, peace and joy and happiness, no sorrow there. Someday, peace and joy and happiness, no more tears there. Someday, gotta be ready when He calls my name. Gotta be ready when He calls my name. Gotta be ready when He calls my name. Someday, gotta be ready when He calls your name. You gotta be ready when He calls your name. You gotta be ready when He calls your name. Someday, 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 someday. That's our hope. That's our hope. Someday He is coming back. Could be today. We don't know. But one thing we know for sure is that if He said He's coming, you can count that He is coming. 
and He is coming to reign over all evil. He's going to take it away. There will be no thieves to break in there. Many of us have been thieves ourselves. Anybody in here ever took something that did not belong to you without asking? Come on now. Uh, just be honest with me. I don't care if it's a piece of bubble gum. You went and got in your mama's purse and got a piece of bubble gum, but you didn't ask her, did you? What is that? You stole. Every one of us in this day and time, we are all lying, thieving, uh, adulterers at heart. We are all blasphemers of God. Every one of us in this earth, we are sinners, wretched sinners, all in need of the grace of God. But I want you to know there's a day coming when He makes all things new and those former things pass away. Someday. i got to get in my message. I, 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 all right. Go to uh, Romans. Romans chapter 12. Verses 9 through 21. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. The word abhor there means to regard with horror or loathing, to detest what is evil. That is what we're supposed to do, correct? Alright. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Boy, there are some things in the Bible that just ain't our ways, ain't it? I think God's got me on a series of how our ways are not His ways, but how we're supposed to line up with His ways. So you may have to put that church membership series to the side for a little while. This is one of those ways that um, is tough to understand. It's tough to comprehend how we're supposed to bless those who curse us. He goes on, he says, Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Let me repeat that 17th verse. Repay no one evil for evil. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Be, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Do you see that? There is a place for wrath. There is a place 
where those that you bless that have cursed you, there is a place where the wrath of God will take place. He says here, For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Vengeance is God's. He said He will repay. And if He spoke it, you can take it to the bank. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do? You feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, you give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You can be seated. I want to talk to you this morning about our desire for vengeance. Let me say that again. Our desire for vengeance. Anybody ever done something wrong to you and you wanted to do something back? There is a natural desire for vengeance in your life. It is not a bad thing. What is bad is how you handle this desire for vengeance. Vengeance alone even God has. He has a desire for vengeance. And we know that God is not bad. Vengeance, I want to tell you the definition of this. Vengeance is inflicted punishment in return for a wrong that has been committed. It is inflicted punishment that has been given in return for a wrong that was committed to us. He says, do not take vengeance out for yourself. Give place to wrath. I will repay, says the Lord. You feed him if he's hungry. You give him a drink if he's thirsty. You bless him if he curses you. That's your job. I heard a story. I don't know if it... Joel Austin, somebody told this story. It was about a truck driver that came into an all-night truck stop. He came in this truck stop and he walked back to the, to the restaurant area and he goes back and he sits down at a table. He's minding his own business. He's a big dude. He comes in and he sits down and he orders his tea and he gets him a hamburger and some fries. And then just a little while later, these three big burly bikers, Harley-Davidson, Hell's Angels type of bikers, they walk into the place and they walk straight up to that truck driver to test him. And they walk up there and one of them grabs his tea and takes a swallow out of it and sets it down in front of him. The other one grabs his hamburger, takes it up, gets a bite out of it, and throws it back in his plate. The other one grabs a handful of his fries and eats on them and then throws them back at him. The waitress sat there looking and she was just waiting to see what was fixing to happen because this dude was a pretty good sized dude. And to her surprise, he did not get up and spin these uh, bikers' heads around their shoulders like she expected him to do. Instead, he quietly gets up, he walks up to the till, he takes his bill, and he pays the waitress for his food. And he quietly walks outside And he gets in his truck and the waitress watches him as he drives off. And the waitress comes back to the table. And when she gets back to the table where the bikers are sitting, the bikers look at that waitress and say, Well, I guess he wasn't much of a man, was he? The waitress said, Well, I don't know how much of a man he was, but he sure ain't a good truck driver. He just run over three motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. That's right. 
Now, how many of you like stories like that? I mean, come on. Let's just be honest. He got his vengeance. He got his retaliation. And it probably felt good running over those bikes on the way out of there with his big truck crushing them. I like movies like that. I like this movie uh, called The Gladiator. I'm a big, I love studying Roman history. I love studying the history of Rome. And I don't know how many of you ever seen the movie Gladiator, but Gladiator is a very uh, accurate depiction of Roman life during that time. And I love that movie because the, the, there was a general of the Roman army that had conquered so many lands for Rome and the Roman Empire. And somewhere along the way, the Caesar of Rome had decided that in his death, he wanted this general to become the new Caesar of Rome instead of his own son. Because his son never went to battle. His son had never done anything, and this general was the one that had conquered all of the lands for Rome. Well, when the son finds out about this, the son goes and he kills the Caesar. And he takes the ring and he puts it on his own finger and he becomes Caesar. Well, because of his jealousy, he decided that he was going to have this the general, he was going to have him killed. So this, so this general, he ends up having his family killed, and they try to kill him, but they couldn't get to him. He ends up living and, and gets sold into slavery where he ends up a gladiator. Ends up back in the Colosseum in Rome where he's fighting the battles as a gladiator in Rome. And as he's fighting these battles, his identity finally becomes known to the Caesar that he is still alive. To make a long story short, at the end of the movie, he finally gets to fight with the Caesar himself out in the middle of the Colosseum in this great big arena. And they, they tried every way in the world to make it a disadvantage. This general that had become a gladiator, they stabbed him in the side so that he would have to fight holding one arm like this. He was losing blood. But as he stood out in that arena and he fought... It felt so good watching a movie, knowing that he was getting his vengeance. It feels good. It is a desire and it is a natural desire in each and every one of us to have vengeance. That is not wrong in itself. As I said before, it depends on how you handle that vengeance. For instance, in the book of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has to address a teaching that the Pharisees have been teaching about vengeance. And He had to look at them and He told them that when you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, He said, I instead tell you that if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, what do you do? You give him your cloak too. He said, if someone wants to force you to go a mile, what do you do? You go two miles with him. If someone wants to slap you on the left cheek, what do you do? You turn the right cheek. So my question was, did this mean that you just had to sit there and let evil run rapid? No, that's not what it meant. Jesus was plainly teaching that you don't take vengeance out for yourself. You give place to wrath. God will have vengeance. God is the only one that can hand down righteous judgment. He is the only one that is perfect. When He set up the commandments in the Old Testament of life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, leg for leg, arm for arm, when He set those things up, He was giving them 
those commandments to the judges of that time. And He had ordained these judges to execute wrath upon the evildoers. It was their job ordained by God because He told them, this is just. This is how you do it righteously. And they either followed God's commands and done it righteously, or they followed their own desires, and when they sought vengeance for themselves, what usually happened? It wasn't good. It was not good. So Jesus had to correct this teaching because the Pharisees were teaching that that commandment was handed down for each and every one of us to have our own vengeance. If Nick knocks out my tooth, I get to knock one of his out. If Barry breaks my arm, I get to break his arm. That's what the Pharisees were teaching. But that was not the case. He said, if someone breaks your arm, you give him your other arm. If someone forces you to go a mile, you go with him two miles. God has ordained people for a place of wrath. I want to look at an example in the Old Testament of how vengeance was not handled correctly. Go with me to the book of Jonah chapter 3. Jonah, that's kind of a hard book to find, but y'all just keep searching. Old Jonah. Old Jonah. Jonah chapter 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 10, but while you're finding it, I'm going to tell you the basics of this story. God has told the prophet Jonah. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go to this wicked country. Their wickedness has come up before me, and it's time for vengeance to take place. I want you to go to this country and I want you to tell them that if they do not repent, if they do not turn away from their evil ways, I am going to destroy them in 40 days. Jonah did not want to go. Jonah hated these Ninevites. He couldn't stand them. They were enemies of his people. They were people that were so ruthless, the prophet Nahum in the Bible tells us that these people actually piled heaps of bodies whenever they come in to conquer a kingdom. They piled heaps of bodies up on staffs so that when you walked through, all you saw was this staff sticking in the ground with bodies piled up on it. It also tells us that you walked through here and there would be a pyramid of heads that they had taken off in battle and they had piled them up in pyramids. They had taken a big majority of the borders of Israel by force. And Jonah hated these Ninevites. He could not stand how wicked they were. He had a personal vengeance because in the book of 2 Kings chapter 14, you ain't got to go there, Tim. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 14, you will read that during this time that this was going on, Jonah was actually in charge of helping the king of Israel try to reclaim these borders of Israel. And instead, they were being taken away by the Assyrians, and Jonah was mad. He had a personal vengeance, Pinky. You didn't think I'd find it, did you? I found it. All right. He had a personal vengeance. He wanted, he wanted these people dead. And he knew that if he went to Nineveh and preached this message, that they would turn from their ways and God would save them, and he didn't want to see that happen. So he decided he's going to get on a boat and run and go the other way. And he goes the other way to, in a boat toward Tarshish. But before he could get there, a big storm arose. 
And a storm arose so bad that those men on that boat, even though they weren't believers in the one true God, every one of them were praying to their own gods because they knew that something was going on. Jonah was asleep down in the bottom. They go down to the bottom of the boat and they get Jonah and they say, What do you mean, old sleeper? What do you mean sleeping through all this? What is it that you have done that is causing this to take place? And Jonah said, I am a servant of the one true God. I was supposed to go and deliver a message, but I ran. If you throw me overboard, this storm will cease. They didn't want to throw him overboard. They didn't want to kill him. So they rowed as hard as they could. And they were rowing, but they could not row against the waves. And so Jonah come back to him and he said, Listen, you've got to throw me over. If you don't throw me over, this will not cease. So reluctantly they took Jonah and they threw him over. And the Bible says that God prepared a big fish to swallow Jonah. And while Jonah is in the belly of this fish, in the book of Jonah chapter 3, I'm not going to read it, you can read it for yourself, but in the book of Jonah chapter 3, Jonah says a prayer. And Jonah, Jonah claims that God delivered him from death from the belly of the whale. He rejoices to God and says, I will praise you always because I, you, I thought you had cast me away. But instead, you delivered me from this. And he is so thankful for the mercy of God. He knows he don't deserve it. He disobeyed God. But even still, he's so thankful for God's mercy. So he goes to Nineveh reluctantly. And he stands before Nineveh and he says, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And you know that because he hated them, he went through there with a real tone. Jonah was a preacher that let you know he meant business. He probably pointed fingers at every one of them and said, 40 days and you going down. And the Bible says that they proclaimed a fast. They turned away from their ways. And the Lord relented from destroying them because He saw that they had turned away. Now we're at Jonah chapter 3 verse 10. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented the disaster that He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. Go to chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And look what the Lord said to Jonah. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? That's a good question. What would you say? Think about it. The Assyrians, the, the town of Nineveh, which was the capital of the Assyrian kingdom, they had dealt ruthlessly with his people. They had no mercy. The Bible tells us in the book of Nahum that no victim came out of Nineveh. He said that it was a bloody city. They were ruthless. Do you think that Jonah had a right to be angry? I say yes and no. My answer to this question, the answer is not told in the Bible, but I'll answer it for you. Is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Yes. Yeah, it is. If you handle it right. 
you ought to be angry. You've been done wrong. Is it right for you to be angry because somebody stole all of the stuff that, you're, that you gave God this money for, or that you gave God back for so that we could worship Him with, so that we could serve Him with? Is, is it right for you to be angry that they busted the door down, that they set fire extinguishers off in the building? Is it right for you to be angry that you've been violated? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You should be angry. But you should handle it correctly. See, Jonah did not handle it correctly. Jonah decided that if I don't go teach the message, I'll know for sure that God will destroy them. But let me tell you, it is not God's will that any should perish. It's God's will that all should come to everlasting life, even the ruthless Assyrians. And he did. He saved their city. And it made Jonah mad because Jonah wanted vengeance. Let me tell you what Jonah did not understand or what Jonah so quickly forgot. Jonah had so quickly forgotten that just a day ago, the Bible says that Nineveh was three days' journey and Jonah entered it on the first day's walk. So just a day ago, Jonah has been in the belly of a well praising God for His mercy that He's shown that He spared His life. And now all of a sudden... Jonah has forgotten about the mercy that he was shown for a sin that God looked at just the same as all the wickedness that the Assyrians had done. The point that I'm trying to get across to you this morning is this. It's right for you to be angry. It is. You know, I come in here that night and there were several people here and I just put a smile on my face, Nick. I said, guys, they ain't took nothing we can't do without. This is not a big deal. We are not going to cry about this. We are not going to get down. As a matter of fact, we started cutting up, making a joke out of it because we put on the sign out here, ATM inside, atonement, truth, and mercy. And we believe some, some dummy out there probably actually thought that we had an ATM inside. <laughs> Lord, Lord, forgive me for calling him a dummy. I didn't mean to do that. I really didn't. I, I'm sorry. I, I, that was wrong. But, you know, that is... That <laughs> Here I am trying to preach a message about that, and I do it. Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, we did. We tried to make a good joke out of it and, and, and tried to just make it out to what it was, and that's just a test from God. God wanted to see, how will you handle anger? How will you decide to, um, to do toward these people? Will you, would you bless them or would you curse them? And I just made up my mind right then, we're going to bless them. And I started walking around, and I know what so many of them, some of them even told me, you, you forgive them, but I'm going to, I knew it, I felt the same way, I did. I'm not going to lie about it, I thought, boy, I'd like to get my hands on these people. You don't know how hard I worked on putting half of that sound equipment together up there, and they come just rip it out. But I decided, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow the way that is against my desire. I'm going to follow the way that says, you bless them, not curse them. Yes, it is right for you to be angry. Yes, because you should abhor evil. You remember that in Romans? He said abhor evil. That word abhor means to regard with horror or loathing, to detest. You should, as a child of God, you should be disgusted at the sight of evil, but you should also remember that it wasn't too long ago that you, too, were evil. And even still choose to make evil decisions even today. 
It is right for you to be angry because you should abhor evil. It's also right because you have been violated. And it's okay to desire vengeance. Whenever we sin against God, does He want vengeance? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is okay for you to want vengeance. But you have to remember one thing. You are flawed. You are a sinner. If you try to take vengeance out for yourself, you will not do it justly. But there is one who can bring wrath upon evildoers that will do it justly. Look at James chapter um, 1, verse 19 and 20. I want to show you why you cannot handle vengeance yourself. Why God says, you bless them, I'll take care of the wrath. I can get there. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to what? Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It's not that God don't want you to defend yourself. It's not that God does not want you to protect yourself. It's not that He's going to just allow people to slap your cheeks around and around until they just get tired of it. No, he says, if you try to execute wrath yourself, you, your wrath does not produce the righteousness of God. Only the righteousness of God produces justice. So he has ordained people for the purpose of executing wrath. You do not have to just sit back. Your job is to bless and give place to wrath. Is that not what it said in Romans? You give place to wrath. You yourself bless them, not curse them, and you give place to wrath by trusting that God will take care of it. I want to um, look at Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. I want to show you that God actually has two ways on this earth. I'm going to go through these kind of quickly, so stay with me. God actually has two ways on this earth that He deals with vengeance. Now, one of those ways, He done it with Nineveh and Jonah, but Jonah didn't like it. I'm going to show you what's wrong with that here in a minute. The first way that God handles His wrath here on this earth is through government. I want you to look at Romans 13, verses 1 through 4. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from who? There is no authority except from God. Even the evil ones, even the ones that do not choose to do right, there is no authority except from God. The Bible tells us that He raises up kings and He sets them down. So He goes on and He says, And the authorities that exist are appointed by who? The authorities that exist are appointed by God. Look at verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of who? It is the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For He is God's what? He is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, then be afraid. For He does not bear the sword in vain, for He is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on Him who practices evil. The first thing you need to understand is the whole reason we have a police force. 
The whole reason you have a sheriff is because it is God's ordained place of wrath. Do they do everything right? No. No? Will they be held accountable for the things that they don't follow God in? As a pastor, God's minister to this flock, do you think I will be held accountable for anything I teach to you falsely? You can rest assured if that's the case, then God's ministers out there that don't even know they're God's ministers, they too will be held accountable for not following justice in His pattern. But they are there for that reason. God's wrath also also takes place a second way. This is the way that's harder for us to accept because we don't actually get to see the wrongdoer punished. But it is God's ultimate place of wrath. It is the place that He would desire that all of His vengeance on sin be taken out on, but for some, they will not choose it. What do you think I'm talking about? Huh? Huh? The cross of Calvary. The cross of Calvary is the place that God's justice for sin took place. Look at... um, Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26. Romans 3, 23 through 26. For all have sinned. Let me say that one more time just in case you missed it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But look at verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, that through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. God said, in that cross of Jesus Christ, the ones that had sinned previously, I passed over their sins through animal sacrifice, through all other things, so that on that day that Christ bared our punishment in His own flesh, all of God's wrath on sin was satisfied. Vengeance was paid. Justice was done. The book of Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5, I believe. Tim, see if you can get that for me. Isaiah 53 verse 5. It actually tells us what Jesus Christ did on that cross of Calvary. Here it is. But He was wounded for our what? For our sin. For our transgressions. He was wounded. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon Him. This is what God was trying to do in Nineveh whenever He overlooked their sin because they repented. He was putting it on the cross of Calvary to be paid for by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. This is one that we have a hard time dealing with. It's easy to accept it from me and you, ain't it? We can sit in the well motel just like Jonah. We can sit in there and say, God, thank you so much for saving my soul. Thank you so much that you delivered me from hell. But then we see the one that we have personal vengeance on, 
And the Lord executes vengeance on the cross of Calvary for Him too. And we look and we say, it ain't right. It ain't right, God. You know it ain't right. And we'll do just like Jonah. We'll get our bucket and go out by the wall and sit down and pout. And God has to look at us and say, is it right for you to be angry? Well, yes, God, actually, it is right for me to be angry, but not the way I'm doing it. God, I trust you. God, I know that you are going to take care of vengeance. God, I know that if you choose to save their soul, it's because vengeance has already been paid for on the cross of Calvary, just like it was for me. And God, by faith, I say thank you. By faith, I say thank you for saving the Ninevites, God. By faith, I say, even though they've done so much evil, I say thank you that you are so merciful and you are so gracious. I say to you this morning, if you do evil, if you return evil for evil that has been done to you, you are no different than the one who done the evil to begin with. Absolutely no different. But, if you return blessing for the evil, then you truly are the salt of the earth. You truly are the salt that gives the earth flavor. If you return blessing for the cursing, then you truly are the light of the world that shows the mercy and glory of God. If you choose to do so. So my message to you this morning is this. And Shirley, I want to ask you to play something right here. I don't want to sing nothing. Um, You can just play whatever you want to play. My message to you this morning is this. Is it right for you to be angry? Yeah, it is. If you've been done wrong, it is right for you to be angry. But I say to you this. Give place to wrath. You turn the other cheek. You bless when cursed. You feed him when he's hungry. You give him drink when he is thirsty. And then you sit back and you say, God, I trust you. I have faith that you will have vengeance because you said so. Your word said, vengeance is mine, saith who? The Lord. Those are his spoken words. And you can rest assured that his word will not return void to him. There is a place for wrath, but it's not in your hands. If you would stand, I open the altar up to whatever you need this morning. I don't even really know how to give an invitation. It's more of a teaching this morning. But I don't know, I'm sure that there's some of you that's been sitting here this morning that's got some ill will in your heart towards something for some reason or another. You've got something in your heart that you know that you have not given place to wrath and delivered it unto God. So I encourage you this morning that you empty that out at His feet this morning at the foot of the cross and that you give that to Him. And that you do not take vengeance for yourself. But you empty this thing out and you say, God, I trust You. That's who I trust. And whether I ever see the vengeance or not, I know that even if vengeance is not taken here on this earth, even if they do not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, there is a final place of vengeance that will take place. 
That final place is in the lake of fire where He throws all of evil, including death and everything that is in hell, ends up in the lake of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, where their worm never dieth, where the tongue is never quenched. It is a place of everlasting torment, and it is God's final place of vengeance. And it will take place. But our job is to walk in faith and say, God, I trust You. God, I believe You. Because You are the only thing that I can put my trust in that will not let me down. I encourage you to do that this morning as people are still praying.